So once the Credit Act came out, people could apply for date counseling as a legal way of repaying their dates in an affordable manner by us, registered date counselors, reducing the interest, cutting out fees as much as possible, reducing the installment on a monthly basis, but that has the consequence of extending the term itself. Have you ever wondered about how we make decisions about our money? Or why we feel the way we do about those decisions? Welcome to Nudging Financial Behavior, the podcast that aims to help you understand how and why you make certain decisions about money. Presented by Dr. Giselle Willows, an expert in behavioral finance. This podcast is all about looking at human behavior and biases especially when it comes to your finances. You can catch the series on YouTube, the Nudging Financial Behavior blog, or on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to like and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, IG Market South Africa, a world-leading online trading provider that gives you access to opportunities across thousands of financial markets through their intuitive platforms and apps. Let's get started. Welcome to episode three of Nudging Financial Behavior. I'm Dr. Giselle Willows. Thank you for joining us. In this series, it's my goal to help you recognize the biases that can subtly, and sometimes not so subtly, pull or push your thinking into making decisions about your finances that aren't entirely rational. When you're able to recognize these pushes and pulls, you'll be able to make smarter choices about your money and hopefully end up saving and earning more. We've already started our discussion on the most common pitfalls that get us into financial trouble. In the previous episode, we spoke about financial illiteracy and some of the basic financial terms you need to have under your belt. If you missed it, go back to episode two, listen, learn, and then come back and join us here. In this episode, we're talking about three things. Firstly, overconsumption or lifestyle creep. Not an easy subject matter, but we need to bring out the white elephant. Secondly, Debt, which is sometimes a good thing, but can also quickly become a bad thing. I'll also be talking to Nadia Deviet, a debt counselor who can give us some more insight into this topic. And then finally, the stark reality of not having sufficient savings. As a reminder, it's important to understand each of these pitfalls before we start talking about our biases. We need to cover this groundwork first. Then we'll unpack the biases one by one. And if you haven't done so yet, please click the like button and subscribe to our channel. First up in our discussion is overconsumption or lifestyle creep. This essentially refers to spending on non-essential items, going out, clothes, accessories, gadgets, the little or sometimes big luxuries that contribute to our standard of living. The thing is, as you get older and as you earn more income, this spending goes up. And sometimes this increase just doesn't match what you're earning. This is when you hit a point of overconsumption. Think back to when you earn significantly less than you currently do. Probably when you started working at your first job. Remember how much simpler your expenses were? Think about things that would have been spoils back then, but are now the norm. Now you expect those luxuries and something else has become a true luxury to you. That's lifestyle creep for you. A big problem is that as we get pay increases, promotions, bonuses, etc., we tend to focus on increasing what we think our quality of life is, because we think more things will make us happier, as opposed to saving more or paying down debt. 
what happens then is you actually add more complication and money problems to your life. Another major reality of lifestyle creep is that as we get older, we tend to have more dependence and more responsibilities. You get married, have kids, parent gets ill and needs taken care of, you buy a house, need to pay back the home loan, you need a car, all these things. And all of this raises a burden on your finances that are just unavoidable. And it's often something that you don't want to avoid anyway. All I'm saying here is that lifestyle creep is something that you need to be acutely aware of. When you get a raise at your job, your first thought shouldn't be about all the new things you can buy. Rather, think about taking at least some of this extra money and investing it or putting it into a savings account for the future. Next, we need to talk about debt. One of the biggest problems we face in today's world is that debt is just so freely available, making lifestyle creep very easy. And if your financial literacy is not up to scratch, remember what we spoke about with inflation, compound interest, and the time value of money in the previous episode? It's very easy to get caught up in debt you don't understand properly. What's worse, is that the nastier the debt, the easier it is to get. Right, some warning signs for debt you should never get. If you're asked to hand over your ID or bank card as surety, stay away. If you're told to lie on the application form and say your expenses are less than what they actually are, no, okay? There's a reason credit and loan providers ask for your expenses. They need to ensure you can afford to pay back the loan. Now, don't get me wrong, Debt isn't always a bad thing. There is a place for it. And not all debt is dodgy debt. But you do need to make sure you can service whatever debt you have. If you cannot afford to pay it back within the time frame that you're expected to pay it back, you're going to make life very difficult for yourself. Consider this. Over the last 10 years in South Africa, between 70 and 80% of people's disposable income went to debt. That is a huge amount. If you're living with that much of your salary going towards debt, what happens if you suddenly take a knock on your earnings? What happens if you suddenly have an extra financial burden, a new baby on the way, a parent or child in need of special care? Again, I'm not saying you shouldn't have any debt, but you need to be aware of the type of debt you have and how much it's costing you. By this, I mean, what is the interest rate that you're being charged and how quickly are you expected to pay it back? Do a little exercise for yourself. Make a list of all your debt. Put the rand amount that you owe next to each of them and then put the interest rate you're being charged next to that. I'm actually more interested in the interest rate number than the actual balance owing because that's telling you how expensive the debt is. If you're seeing percentages over 15%, that's really expensive. Things like payday loans, personal loans, store cards, loans to buy furniture and electronics, which are also known as higher purchase, Credit cards and overdrafts when you get beyond the interest-free days. Those are usually the types of debt you need to be wary of and pay off first as quickly as possible. And if you're listening to this and thinking you have no idea what interest rate you're being charged, well, then this is an even more important exercise for you. Don't be an ostrich. Know and understand what debt you have. If your debt is extensive and you don't have the disposable income to pay it off, know that you can apply for debt counselling. This is when you get a company to consolidate everything into one debt that you pay over time. During this time, you can't apply for new debt, but you will be protected from legal action. I've got Nadia Deviert from the Debt Counselors Association of South Africa with me to talk about the process to help you get a better idea of what your options are. 
Hi, Nadia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Giselle. Thanks for having me. I, we had a little chat. I'm a little bit nervous. So if I mess up, forgive me. <laughs> we'll totally forgive you. Would you mind explaining to our listeners what debt counseling actually is? Okay, so debt counseling is a legal process that protects consumers from over-indebtedness. It was written in 2007. So before that time frame, things were a little bit dicey and it was more in the favor of creditors than consumers. So once the Credit Act came out, people could apply for debt counseling as a legal way of repaying their debts in an affordable manner by us, registered debt counselors, reducing the interest, cutting out fees as much as possible, reducing the installment on a monthly basis, but that has the consequence of extending the term itself. Okay. But I mean, it just makes it a more manageable process to pay yes. off their debt. Yes, yes. It gives them a bit of breathing room at the end of the day to just sit and go, okay, the data is on this side, my expenses are on that side, I can manage. And in your opinion, I mean, do you think most people, people you've worked with in the past, do they understand how they got into this debt spiral to begin with? Hindsight is twenty twenty. no pun intended. <laughs> but yes, it takes a while for them to accept the fact that now, now they are in debt. Um, so they can only see the problem after it's already become a little bit too overwhelming. In the beginning, they think, okay, well, I'll just get one more loan or one more credit card. It's just a temporary problem. I'm just going to put a plaster on it and... Hopefully next month it will be better, but then next month the repo rate increases and we just carry on on this path. So it takes more time for them to consolidate the fact that I am in trouble. That's the thing is the acknowledgement. How they get there, they only explain afterwards when I actually get to speak to them and I say, okay, tell me what is going on in your life that you think date review is a viable option. And if you could give our listeners just one tip on how to avoid getting into a debt spiral, what would that be? Just one. Just one. <laughs> okay, Can two? I give, maybe three, you know, just, maybe just three. quickly. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So the first thing that I've noticed when I'm doing an assessment is that the biggest problem is people sign up for a credit card and they tick that little box that says, yes, please do give me an annual increase on my credit card limits. And then as the years pass, this limit increases so much that it is actually higher than their salary at some times, you know? So don't go for the annual increases. That's number one rule to avoid getting into a debt spiral in the first place. Um, the second one is when you start juggling these credit facilities, it is very important to notice, hey, this is getting out of hand now. Uh, but most people go for the consolidation loan option. And then they keep those credit facilities open, which then leads to a bigger problem afterwards because the creditors with the credit cards think, hey, there is still money available. We don't need to do a new assessment to see what their current expenses are. And that just leads to double the trouble. Okay, by that time, we get these people signing up with us and we say, whoa, um, this is a little bit too much. We're having an income of 40,000 net, but your dates itself are already 40,000. And then we're not even talking about the expenses themselves. So we work with high figures and it's the cost of living that keeps increasing, bringing people to a point where it's just absolutely unmanageable. 
And Data View also has a framework that we need to take that date and fit it into to solve. There's a rule that says the date must lead to eventual satisfaction. So we can't just offer a thousand rand a month to cover a million rands worth of date. It will not work. That leads them to a point of being past over-indated and in serious crisis. So the third tip is when you start juggling facilities and you're tempted to get that loan, rather go and get a financial assessment done by a registered date counselor because they will give you options to say, okay, you're not that bad yet, but we're heading there. Thank you, Nadia. Those are some very useful tips for us. Please stay with us a little bit longer. I'd love to get your two cents on something else a little later. To quickly sum things up though, debt counseling is quite a process. It has its downsides, but if you're truly in a hopeless debt spiral, go speak to a debt counseling company and see if they can help you. Before we finish our discussion on debt though, I just want to go over a few extra things that you need to be wary of. Firstly, pyramid schemes. Now, the only way to make money on a permit scheme is to bring in new recruits. They're called all sorts of different names, but that fundamental principle of bringing in new recruits remains. These are actually illegal and should be reported as soon as you get approached. Next up, I want to warn you about multi-level marketing schemes. With these, you have to pay upfront for a shipment of products, and then you sell that to make your money back and hopefully make a profit. These products are often herbal products or beauty products, and most of them come with some incredible claim to help this, that, or the other. Next, I'm sure you've heard of these, Ponzi schemes and fake investments. They're quite similar to pyramid schemes. They start out as legal, but later on, the huge returns just don't materialize. And of course, there are just some full-on scams out there that we should all be aware of. Firstly, anything that asks you to pay money upfront should be avoided. A popular scam is saying you've won a competition, but you need to pay a certain amount to get your prize. Another one to look out for is the offer of a new job, and they want you to pay to go on training up front. You should never have to pay for training. There are also several work-from-home scams that ask you to buy a starter kit or a manual up front. Very similar concept. Then there are fake loans. These offer a great deal, but they ask you to pay something up front. This is often called an attorney fee or something like that. A few other things we should all be careful of include anything with convoluted payment methods or offers that just don't come with a clear business model. Nadia DeVert is still here with me. Nadia, I wanted to ask you just one more thing. How often do you see people getting into financial trouble after falling specifically for things like a pyramid scheme, Ponzi scheme or outright scams? Not specifically pyramid and Ponzi schemes as much as other types of scams like we had one client that unfortunately fell for a catfishing scam and a pawn your vehicle scam at the same time. And during her date review, she decided maybe it's a good idea to listen to my catfish <laughs> and pay the money to release the funds from Turkey customs. And I had to literally sit her down and say, you've been scammed once, twice. This is the third attempt. Okay, so we need to take a step back and say, this is not going to work. But there's a problem with behavioral psychology being misused on people in a way that they feel one more time, just one more little bit of trust, and then I will get my investment returned to me. 
So it's a very slippery slope actually to go down the scam route. It's like gambling, you know, it's just one more spin of the roulette wheel and finally my investment will pay off. But it doesn't. So the biggest problem is getting them to admit, hey, I've been scammed in the first place. The reason why I'm saying I don't know if there have been pyramid schemes and such um, getting people into an over-indebted situation is because maybe they haven't told me this. They might be withholding that information because there's also a lot of shame coupled to falling prey to a situation like that in the first place. Does that answer the question? That definitely answers the question. And yes, it's a very sad story, especially when you think about how often and how easy it is to fall for these scams. I think the lesson is, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably not worth your while. But on a personal note, I can admit that I've fallen prey to a scam. <laughs> the interesting part of this is it was my own mother. <laughs> you see. Do you want to tell us that story? Oof. Okay, so I think I was about 19 years old, okay? And my partner and I decided we'll go into business with my mom. And we were busy drawing up contracts and getting everything ready. And she was putting the, the backing, you know, the monetary backing, and we would be doing the work to earn our shares. But at the end of the day, she kept stalling to sign the contract agreement because she wasn't happy with this and that and this little detail and this completely arbitrary thing. And we were running it for about a month and she was like, okay, I'm done now. It's mine. It's on my name. I'm taking it. <laughs> and that led to my own downfall in the credit industry with my own clothing account. <laughs> so I ended up being on the receiving end of a consumer defaulting. Gives me a good insight into what I'm doing today. Absolutely. You know what you're talking about. I mean, you know how it feels to be on the other side of that mm -hmm. conversation. Oh, yes, I really do. It's, it's not fun at all. And that helps me have compassion for my clients because I know how bad it can get. And the thing is, I was very financially responsible. 18-year-old trying to build her credit score, you know. I only got a little clothing account and said, okay, if I can't afford to pay double the installment, I'm not going to get this loan. You know, I'm not going to get this credit facility. I have to make sure that I can afford a double installment every month. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. It's a good rule of thumb. Thank you, Nadia. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and for sharing your personal stories. Okay, enough of debt. On to the final pitfall we'll be discussing in this episode, which is insufficient savings. When you combine this with overconsumption and being debt burdened, you get a trifecta of worry. The thing is, debt problems and overconsumption usually go hand in hand. Getting into debt is the easy answer when it comes to paying for your lifestyle creep. The major problem when you're spending most of your disposable income on debt and things you don't really need is that you tend to reach a point where you don't have sufficient savings to live off if something goes wrong. The scary thing about this is that you often don't realize it's happening to you until it's too late. Let's look at using sunblock on your face as an analogy. If you listen to the experts and put sunblock on your face every day from a young age, you'll prevent major sun damage from impacting your skin. You won't see the results right then, but you're preventing sunburn from happening and giving your skin more time to be youthful and look good. If you wait until after your skin starts to look damaged to start wearing sunblock, I mean, it's really too late. 
you won't be able to reverse the damage that's already happened. In the same way, waiting until there's a problem with your finances to start saving is not very helpful. Saving money and planning for later in life is not something you should ever wait to start doing. The right time to start saving is right now, even if it's only a little bit that you're saving now. And if you're further on in life and perhaps haven't been saving, don't be one of those people who says that the sun damage is already showing, so there's no point to putting on sunblock now, meaning that there's no point to start saving now. It's simply not true. It doesn't matter how old you are or how much you can save. In order to start saving, the important thing is the habit. And it's never too late to start a new habit. You need to get into the habit of saving first. Then you work on putting away more and more as you get older. And of course, the younger you are when you start, the better. But even if you're already older in age, every little bit helps. Start now. Right, we've now covered half of the common pitfalls that get us into financial trouble. If you like this episode, please give us a thumbs up. But also, remember I said that there were eight financial pitfalls that we needed to discuss. We discussed one in the previous episode and now three today. So that means we have another four to go in the next episode. If you recognize any of the behavior we've discussed so far in your own spending habits, don't stress. You're definitely not alone. It's also not too late and it's not impossible to change those habits. That's what we're here to do. Nudge you into making better financial decisions. The good news is that you're not alone. There are so many resources out there to help you make smarter, more rational decisions about your money. For example, you could always check if a company has a registration number with the Financial Services Board. Just visit www.fsca.coza. Thanks for watching or listening to episode three of Nudging Financial Behavior. Please hit the subscribe button because in the next episode, we'll be tackling the final four of the most common financial pitfalls. And then after that, we'll have some real fun as we start unpacking behavioral biases. That was Nudging Financial Behavior, hosted by behavioral finance expert, Dr. Giselle Willows. Make sure you like and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. You can catch the Nudging Financial Behavior podcast on YouTube, our blog, or your favorite podcast streaming platform. Thank you again to our sponsors, IG Market South Africa, for helping to bring the show to life. And now for the disclaimer. This podcast should not be seen as advice. All the information and opinions are of a general nature. They are not intended to address the needs or circumstances of any individual. We are not financial advisors, neither are any of our staff or service providers, nor is our sponsor. All expressions of opinion by the host or guest are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. Any information you get from us should be seen as only that, information only.